0: Welcome to the Hope Collective message podcast, where we find a confident expectation of a better tomorrow in the character and promises of God. To learn more about who we are, visit thehopeco.com. Here's today's message. Morning. Good um, morning. As Megan was asking us, take a minute right? And what does God want to say? I feel like God gave, gave me a word for us this morning. And I think it's important to what he wants to say today. Um, I have to say before, before I share this is I I love singing and worship, but for the first time in a long time, I couldn't wait for it to get done because I, I want to get up here. I have something to say. I feel like God wants to tell us something really, really, important. I just couldn't, have you ever had like that moment in your life where you're like, you're calling, you like, answer the phone, answer the phone. They don't, so you text them a bunch of texts and then they don't answer that. So you go to their house because you want to tell them something. No, but I feel that, right? It's, this is, we, this is really, really important to hear. Before we do that though, I felt like God say, stop taking credit for the good things in your life. Good. And I was like, are you talking to me? Right, Or are you talking to all of us? And I think this is for me and all of us. If it's good, it's God, yes. period. Yes. Oh yeah, but I, nope, get I out of it because it'll destroy you. If it's good, it's God. And, and so I just want to get our hearts right here. So here's what I want you to do. Um, and, and this song has been in my heart for a while. So those who hang around me, I sing this a lot. I just wanted us to put our hands like this if we can. Just a posture. We do this. This isn't, this is, this is a posture saying, God, I'm releasing whatever I need to release. And I'm receiving whatever you want to receive. But this is the song that's been in my heart. I just want us just to sing this as we, as we kind of open up our hearts to hear. You are worthy of it all. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things, you deserve the glory. Come on, church. You are worthy of it all. Yes, he is. You are worthy of it all. For from you are all things, and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. So God, that would be our posture this morning, is that none of, none of the good is on us. It's on you and us. And so we give that to you to be honored and glorified. We don't need the credit because we're your kids. We want you to have it. And so for all the good in our hearts and our lives, can we give that to you today as an offering? And for the difficulties, can we just say thank you that you walk with us in it? And that we're learning and we're growing. And we'll give you praise. And so we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Stand with me this morning as we read God's word. Uh, we, don't, we don't stand uh, out of religion. We stand because we honor God's word. I don't want us to forget that. I'm going to say a lot of things this morning that I hope is spirit-led, and if it's not, that God would change it from the time it leaves my voice to the time it gets to your ears, that it would be God's. But this is the word of God, and so we're going to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We'll be in the gospel of John a lot this morning, but I want to start here because I think it's important. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're starting in verse 17, and if you have stepped into faith in Jesus, he's talking about you. Uh, those who have given their hearts said, Jesus, come and be the leader of my life. This is what true is true. Starting verse 17. Therefore, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. If anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old is gone. The old is gone. How many of you are sitting here going, doesn't feel like it? Right? The new has come. The new has come. Now, how many of you would say, I'm perfect. The new has fully arrived. And I'm in and I look like Jesus fully. Check me out. None of us. Right? None of us. And so what Paul is saying here is you've been given the gift of Jesus righteousness, but you have an enemy called the world, the flesh, and the devil. And it will try to keep you from being that new creation that God has called you to. And therefore, we have to deal with those things that are trying to keep us in the old and not the new. Amen. This is the word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Nice. We're good. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> oh. not you love when God is on time? By the way, he always is. (laughs) So I couldn't wait to get up here. Uh, We're in this series around this table life, and we've kind of set you up for the last three weeks to talk about today. And and I I think that what today is going to be about is what the table actually needs to look like, if the table is a place of transformation, Okay? Now let me distinguish really quick if I can because it's really important because we find ourselves at a lot of different tables. Sometimes we're at tables with all the people who love Jesus and those are great tables. Those ought to be transformation tables. If there are people there who love Jesus, whether you're pulling them up or they're pulling you up, they're somewhere in the timeline of going after God to become like Jesus, then that should be a transformation table. And if you find yourself at tables where there are people who don't know Jesus, then we get to be the greatest example of what Jesus looks like. And we get to lean into their lives and hear their stories and we ought to be the most curious about their stories of anybody in the world but today we're talking about the tables in our lives that we either have or we need to have where transformation is going to happen and so for the first three weeks let me take us back we said in the first week the tables that we sit at and we've said it every week since are not just places where we come and are accepted and belong and experience community that's important and that can happen but also places where we come to be challenged changed and transformed Challenged, changed, transformed. Woo! Because that's painful. That's work. That's suffering. We went on to say the tables that we sit at are not just places of community, but they are places for, so not just community, but places for transformation, where God wants to transform us into the image of Jesus. And we have work that we need to let him do in us for that to happen then the second week we talked about what does it look like then to show up at a table that is transformative and what are the things that get in the way of me showing up what are the things that have happened in the past what are the things that people have done and said or I have done and said that would keep me from running to that and here's what we said here's what I want you to get and and I feel like God said land on this for just a second because it's really really important if you have a relationship with Jesus meaning you have put your faith your hope and trust in Jesus meaning you desire and you're like more than anything in the world to honor God by becoming coming like Jesus, meaning you've asked him to be the leader of your life, meaning that what you just, you don't just say you believe it, but you desire to live it. If that's you, you are a child of God. That was better than first service. Let me give a warning. There's a horse fly in the room. I'm not sure how he survived, but he's over there. And uh, ten bucks to the person who kills it so that it's the devil. Listen, is the devil. This is, you're not the devil. That's a, the, the fly's the devil. <laughs> Wouldn't it be like, like this is one of the most important messages and there's a horsefly trying to ruin it for people. <laughs> Die in Jesus name. Wouldn't that have been awesome if that thing would have just went boom. Right there. <laughs> there you go, hit that thing. All right, back to what we were talking about. You're a child of God, and you got kind of excited about that. Listen, that's everything. You're a child of God. You're a child of the most high God. That means he's your dad. That means he has your back. That means you can show up not caring what people think. That means you can show up not worrying about what you've accomplished. That means you can show up as a son and daughter of the most high God and people can challenge you because you're not running hurt, you're running changed. That's what it means. It has to start there. And if you haven't wrestled that to the ground and it's still way more, talking way too fast, my, my mouth tries to keep up with my mind. Does anybody else do that? Okay? So that thought's gone. Because <laughs> I missed it. That's why. I don't talk fast because of time. I talk fast because I'm thinking. And I want to say what I'm thinking. Let's just say what God's thinking. So we want to show up. And when we are... More focused on being children of God, this is what I was going to say. We won't care what we have, what people say, or what we accomplish to define us. We will know whose we are. So we can sit at tables of transformation and receive. And then we said, we got to shake up our tables. we we got to stop sitting with just those who think like us, talk like us, look like us. We've got to have diversity at our tables. And I was really hard on the young people last week. But let me also be equally hard on the adults. It's time to bring young people to your table because they have fresh thoughts and they have fresh experiences with Jesus. And we need those as much as we need your wisdom. And so let's start doing that together. Let's get that perspective at the table. But bigger than that, we need people at the table that are going to challenge the way we think. And I'm not talking about outside of God's word. I'm talking about within God's word because you don't get it all right. Therefore, you need the Holy Spirit and God's community to get it right. So shake up the table. We said all of that to say that there's something that God wants to do. The transformation actually looks a certain way when you get to the table. So here we are, we're at the table and we're giving it another chance or a chance for the first time because of the past and we're ready to be challenged. We think, and we don't need to be comfortable, but we need to be challenged to grow and I, 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 uh, God put this on my heart a few months ago, this particular message, and I was uh, honored to speak at Freedom Academy, the, the fourth tier. And I got to share a piece of this, but I want to share the bigger piece of this with all of you, because I think this is what God is asking us to do, to lean into. But when we think about the table, here's some things that need to be at the table. We're thinking about transformation. And I think we're thinking about, oh, every one of my tables have to be serious. <laughs> no, we need to laugh at God's tables. We need to laugh at the table, like we need to be, be funny, it's okay, like we can laugh, like it's okay to cut up, and, and the tables that I sit at, we have fun, and we laugh with each other and at each other, and all of that's okay, last week we made fun of Dave for his texting abilities, that's fun, right, because my identity isn't in what people think, it's in what God thinks, I just need to improve my texting, right. Yes, we laugh. We catch up. We catch up. We check in. How's it going? And, and this is where we learn to ask those questions, right? What's good? I, I go out to breakfast with each of my kids each week, one-on-one, one on one, just to, to be with them, check in on them. And one, the question I ask, and Caden will tell you, what's good right now? And sometimes it's the same thing, and sometimes it changes. I'll say, well, what else is good? That's been good for a while. What else is good? But what's hard, too? What's hard? Just recently with the staff, I said, hey, what if we started answering these two questions? Where do you look the most like Jesus in your life? Celebrate that. And where do you look the least like Jesus? Change that. Let that be transformed. Dig into that. But catch up. Check in. Encourage each other. Be encouraged by one another. The world is great at tearing people down. That comes natural. I saw on Instagram. Yep, uh, I did. um, Haven't given that up yet. But I I saw where this teacher writes nine problems on the board and writes the tenth one wrong. And everybody in the class laughs. How many of you have seen this one? And he said, it's interesting in our culture that when we get nine right, we don't say anything. But when we get one wrong, we pounce on it and we laugh at it and we make fun of it. But I got nine right. To, be, to have a place where encouragement can happen is actually what this is, is. And to be people who listen. To be better listeners than talkers. To ask this question over and over and over and over again. Tell me more. Oh, that happened? Tell me more. Really? Tell me more. And you will find that in that journey of laughing and catching up and checking in and encouraging and listening and asking that question, that you'll find out people have a story. If we do those things, we will hear people's stories. We'll hear the stories of their past, the stories of their present, and we'll hear about their future. If we just do that. See, life happens. And it happens to us. And we don't come out of this unscathed. The older you get, the more scars you take on. Life happens to every one of us. It doesn't matter. And if we can figure this part out, if I would have known this when I was in high school or junior high, this would have transformed the way I walked and lived my life. This would have transformed the friends I chose. Because your friendships determine your direction and quality of life. Oh, right? So it would have transformed everything if I would have just got this. Life happens to us, we don't get out unscathed. And everything that happens to us, good or bad, impacts us and our present and our future. Everything that happens to us, good or bad, impacts our present. In our future, for good or for bad. And so much of how we act or react today comes from either our truths that we know to be true or the lies we think are true, but they're not. Right. See, because what happens is the enemy of our soul spends our entire life lying to us, from the moment you're in the womb to the moment you're in the tomb. He is lying to you every day of the week, every hour of the day, every minute of every hour. Lies are coming. And so we have a choice. The devil, the Bible says, comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I'm just painting a picture here before I tell you what I think God wants us to hear today. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. There is no party in hell. Hell is a lonely place without the goodness of God, and it is hell forever. But there's a hell here too, where the devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he does it by lying. It says in John chapter 8, verses 44, that he is a liar. He is the father of lies, and his native tongue is to lie to you. Everything that you walk through, he will use. He's not just lying to you and then we hear those lies and then somebody in our life confirms it because he's lying to them to lie to you. And so then it gets double down on and then things happen in our life. We sin, people do things that hurt us. We have traumatic experiences, we believe lies and he uses every one of those events to take a bucket of lies and pour it in on each one. This is what he's doing. This has been the plan of attack all along. There's nothing new. And there's suffering in the world because of sin. And we participate. We're broken people. Every one of us sitting in this room, we have healed places if we have Jesus. But we have broken places too. And the people around us are broken as well. And so we suffer from three things. We suffer from our own brokenness. We suffer from other people's brokenness and what they do and say to us. And we suffer because we live in a broken world. Because Adam and Eve chose to walk away and rebel from God, and we have been paying the price ever since. And so we are being lied to. And to the degree that you will believe those lies is the brokenness that you are experiencing and the brokenness you're causing. And so we have tables. Because we need tables. And so whether that's family that does it, friends that do it, culture does it, strangers, enemies, the devil uses it all for good or for bad. He lies and then we believe him and that impacts relationship. It impacts relationship with God. It impacts relationship with self. It impacts relationship with others and it impacts relationship to this world. The world world we're supposed to love and win for Jesus' sake. It all rises and falls on relationship and so God has come to expose it. Aren't you aren't you glad that we weren't left in this mess to just be living in our lives? But God, the only reason you believe any ounce of truth is because Jesus came. That's 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 it. He says, I am the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And God shows up to expose the lies. What does Jesus say in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15? The kingdom of God is here. You know what that means. God's going to start talking to you. God's going to start using the events in your life. God's going to use the trauma in your life, the wounds in your life, the sin in your life. And he's going to flip it for his good. That's the kingdom of God. That's God breaking in. We live in Chronos' time. You have a birth date and you have a death date and everybody dies, but God is breaking into that with the kingdom and he's inviting you on a journey with every event in your life to change the narrative from the lies you believe to the truth he has. And so what did Jesus say? Sorry, I'm moving fast. It's true, but what did Jesus say? What did he say? Repent and believe. This is, what, listen, Repentance isn't confession. Okay? I confess my sins to one another and he is faithful and just and will forgive us and he'll bring healing in that. I confess that I sin, but I've been forgiven of my sins, past, present, and future. Repent sense is the discovery of a lie because an event has been exposed. The lie has been exposed. He brings truth to it and you go, oh my gosh, I've been believing this lie, living this lie, reacting from this lie, treating people from this lie and it's a lie and I'm going to stop believing it. I'm going to believe the truth and now that I see it and understand it, I'm going to get in a community of people and say, help me live it. Help me keep believing it. You see what's going on? How God is wanting to transform with truth. Repent and believe. It's a cycle. It's actually called discipleship. Yep. Yep. So an event happens. God's going to use it to speak something true to you where there's a lie. You're going to say, "Ah, oh, I hate that I've believed that lie. That's done so much damage. And God says, I know. And we're going to grieve that we've done that damage. And then he says, I'm going to heal that. But what I want you to do is I'm going to take it to community. And I want the people in your life to affirm it. And then I want you to start living in it. What is God saying? What am I going to do about it? That's discipleship. That's repent and believe. Now, the table is the place it comes out. Where it's experienced, where it's seen. The table is a place where it can be heard. That that stuff that you carry that's impacting you more today than you even know, it can be heard, it can be held, not fixed, and then it's healed. At the table. That, this is the transformation journey. This is the stuff you're hiding. This is the stuff you're not even aware about that God wants to reveal to you. And he's going to use the events of your life where the enemy has won a bad and he's going to turn it for his good. It's what he's going to do. It's crazy. Well, here's what I'm not saying though. I'm not saying go looking back in your past. I'm not saying, hey, we need to go back to all those places um, and And make sure that where where everything went bad, we address it and deal with it. You want to know why? I'm not saying that because those things are going to come get you anyway. You don't have to go back because back's coming to you. This is how the devil works. He gets a foothold, he creates a stronghold, and then he uses that in your present, and he'll destroy you in the future. And so we're not. I'm not saying I need you to go back. I'm saying that's going to come. You're going to. You're going. That's that's always surfacing. How many you've been triggered by something? Raise your hand. there it is. How many of you gotten angry before? Raise your hand. There it is. How many of you got frustrated? Raise your hand. there it is. How many of you 've sinned before, done something you shouldn 't do because of wrong desire There it is. We just keep our hand up Your past will find you you 'll be going along and then something triggers some uh, we were in Haiti and um we, we were talking and a buddy of mine was telling me about Wellsprings where you do inner healing and deliverance where you, where you chase down um, when these things arise. And he said, here's how you kind of know they're there. And I'm like... How do you know they're there? He said, you're going along and you feel good in your relationship with Jesus and you feel good in other relationships. And whenever you have had in your past a a hurt, a trauma, uh, something you've done that's undealt with, um, a lie that's not true, a sin issue in your life. He goes, the enemy gets an arrow in. Why does the Bible say put on the full armor of God and take up the shield of faith to keep you from what? The flaming what? arrows of the evil one so every every time he gets one in and we don't deal with it it's an arrow in us and we'll be going along and things feel like they're okay and all of a sudden he just strokes the arrows he did mario stand up He's just, he's going along and your back's just full of all these things that are undealt with and he just strokes them. But what God has put community there, put tables in your life is to transform and part of that is going and taking out each and every arrow. See, when you come to Jesus, the arrows don't just go away. They got to be dealt with. This is the becoming new, right? This is the old, the enemy's trying to use it, but God wants to deliver you from it. And so you're going to pull these out, but God's going to bring those things up and thank you, Mario. God's going to bring those things to the surface in your life. You're not going to have to go find them. The devil's gonna try to use them and God's gonna say, that's the devil and then you're gonna have it. Let's call them rooster moments. First service did the exact same thing, that was great. Rooster moments. Some of you are like, what do you mean rooster moments? Well, I'm gonna spend the next 10 minutes telling you what a rooster moment is. I want you to go with me to John chapter 13. We're gonna be in the Gospel of John. It's the fourth Gospel. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're going to 13. We're going to start in verse 31. When he had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified in him. God is glorified. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and will immediately glorify him. Little children, yet a little while I am with you. You You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, so now I tell you where I am going. You cannot come. A new command I give you that you love one another as I've loved you, and that you also love one another. By this, everyone's going to know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Here's Peter, you ready? This is is his moment, right? Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I'll lay down my life for your sake. (laughs) Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for my sake? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you have denied me three times. Good. All right. It's a rooster moment. Go with me now to John chapter 18. Just five chapters over. And we're going to go to verse 15. Simon Peter followed Jesus. This is after Jesus' betrayal and arrest in the garden. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. That disciple was known to the high priest and went with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. But Peter stood at the door outside. Then the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out, spoke to the doorkeeper, brought Peter in. Then the servant girl, being the doorkeeper's keeper, said to Peter, are you not also one of this man's disciples? He said, I am not. Now the servant of the officers stood there and themse- warmed themselves, having made a fire of coals, keep that in your, your mind, for it was cold. Peter also stood with them and warmed himself. Skip down now to verse 25. Meanwhile, Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, are you not also one of his disciples? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, being a relative of the man whose ear Peter cut off, That's unfortunate. Said, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter then denied it again, and immediately the rooster crowed. Yeah, yeah. Now, for those of you that were sleeping and just woke up, we're in a sermon about tables. Can you, can you imagine, can you imagine you've walked with him for three years, you love him, you've told him you're going to stand by him no matter what, that you've got his back, and in the moment of testing, you fail miserably, and then the rooster crows. In the darkness, the Bible says that he ran out and wept bitterly. That deep, aching, guttural cry till there's no more tears that hurts so bad and in the darkness, who shows up always? The devil. And pours the lies of you're not worthy. Of course you were gonna fail because you're a failure and you'll never get this right. You, Peter, failed Jesus. He'll never forgive you. He'll never want you back. And you hear the bucket of lies that have come in that moment, that have come to you and yours, your rooster moments. Peter somehow moves from that space. He's with the disciples. They've seen Jesus a couple times. Could you imagine running to the tomb? Do you remember the part in Luke where The angel says, tell the disciples I'm alive and also Peter. I don't know if you've ever read that, but it's in there. It's like, hey, let him know he's still okay. Make sure he's there. But what do they ultimately do? They go fishing. They go back to fishing. Now let's go to John chapter 21, just two chapters over. Three. I'll get it right. Starting in verse 20, verse three. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Then they said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and immediately entered the boat. But that night they caught nothing. When the morning came, Jesus stood on the shore but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, throw the net on the right side of the boat. Can you imagine being Jesus right now? <laughs> do you remember this happening earlier when he called them to follow him three years prior, right? And he's like, hey, stop fishing. Follow me and I'm going to make you fish as a bend. And he spends three years pouring into them loving them, teaching them. He dies. Peter screws up, goes back to fishing. Jesus standing on the shore going, golly. <laughs> How many shores of our lives has he stood on? Yeah. Right? Wow. Golly, I thought I got you out of fishing a long time ago. Hey, guys, I know it's going bad. Throw it on the right side of the boat. What happens? Fills with fish. They all go, oh, no. I mean, oh, yes. Right? Look at it right here. 21. So they threw it, how they were not able to draw it in because of the abundance of fish. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his armor garment, for he had taken it off, and he jumped into the sea. Wouldn't it be amazing, church, if we ran after restoration like that? Yeah. If we ran to the tables of transformation like Peter had to get to Jesus to find out if he was okay to make sure that he was okay he leaps into the water the bible says the air disciples came with a little boat dragging a net full of fish for they were not far from land for but about 350 away when they came to the land they saw a charcoal fire With fish lying on it and bread, Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish with you that you have caught. Simon Peter went up, dragged the net full of 153 large fish to land. Although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and eat breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread, gave it to them, and likewise the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus is revealed to his disciples after he was raised from them. Look here, Verse 16. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus says to Simon, can you imagine like the elephant in the room right now? Everybody knows. Peter's messed this one up big. How's this going to go down? So far, we're just, we're we're ignoring it, right? We've eaten, we're talking small talk. How was it like being dead? Now you're alive. That's kind of crazy, right? You've walked through a couple walls. This feels crazy. Tell us more. We're having this conversation. And then Jesus goes, Peter, right? Like, I want to hear Optimus Prime's voice in that moment. Peter. And Peter had to be, I don't know how he would have been in that moment. Anxious, excited. Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. I don't know if time passed in here. I imagine they're eating a little bit and the room is there is filled with that charcoal fire smell and the taste of the food and the anxiousness around what's happening. And he says a third time, Peter, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, Feed my sheep. Then he tells him about how he'll die. And look at verse 19. He said, This signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. When he had said this, he said to Peter, Look at this. Follow me. Follow me. Come back in. I know it's been hard. But you're restored. I know you've wrestled. I know there's been lies. But follow me. Come home. Peter, do you love me? Three times. What's Jesus doing here? Around this table. Stay with me. He's taking him back. Oh, we don't go back right? Paul said, forgetting what is behind, I strain on. No, you know what Paul means when he says, forgetting what is behind, I press on towards what is ahead. Don't let your past negatively affect your present in light of the cross. That's what he's saying. But whatever is negatively impacting your present needs to be dealt with. Jesus goes back. Therefore, we get to go back. Why? Because it was there. And Jesus is going to deal with what's there. He's taking him back. Where are they? They're at a fire. A coal fire. Yeah. you imagine Peter being in that space and, you know, smells are memories. Yeah. And that, that memory of where he was when he denied and the rooster crowing. <laughs> Could have found a better rooster. <laughs> He's back at a coal fire and that smell... And how many times does he ask him if he loves him? Three times. How many times did Peter deny him? Three times. He asks him three times because he denied him three times. Why? Because he's restoring Peter. He's bringing healing to his past so so he can bring truth to his life. He's restoring the rooster crow. Listen, I gotta imagine. I I've been to I've been to Haiti, um, twelve times, and it's like going back in biblical times. It literally dirt roads and people pack things on donkeys and they walk everywhere, and it's it, they cook on open fires and and, it's, and there's roosters, lots of them, and in the morning you want to shoot them because they start like at four o'clock, and you're like no. And then they all start. And then they do it. You're like, you get one. Nope. They get 20, 30. And they're just going and going. And you're like, I want to kill it. I want to pluck it. I want to eat it. That would be smart. We're in a third world country. Let's do it. Can you imagine? In biblical times, every morning Peter wakes up hearing those roosters crowing as a constant reminder of his failure Instead of the very truth that his mercies are new every morning. And God knows the narrative that that rooster crow will bring. And he's changing the narrative. He's bringing him back to the fire. Back to the place of denial. Do you love me? You know that I love you. If Jesus doesn't take Peter back to heal and restore the moment, imagine every time he hears that rooster crow. Every time a reminder of his failure, his collapse. That's how the enemy works, church. You get an event. I got water up here and I'm running out of time. You with me still? Something happens, right? You have a denial of a Jesus, and an event takes place, and the enemy comes. You know what the enemy does? Is he uses the event, whether it's a sin, a lie that you believe to be true, trauma, something you've done that's un- uncovered, not that's it's secret, whatever it might be. It is an event, and the enemy comes, and he piles lies around. But you know what we do? We take that thing and we just push it under the surface. That's what we do. We're afraid. We're afraid of the tables of transformation because we've done them wrong or we've been hurt by them or we. and so it's just safer to push it under. It might be safer, but it isn't effective. Why? Because at some point you're going to get tired. At some point it's going to get difficult and somebody's going to say something. They're going to do something and it's going to trigger you where you have a place in your life that isn't healed. An event surrounded by lies and you will have done everything you can to hold it under the surface, but all of a sudden it pops up because it can't stay there anymore. And that is the what. That's the moment God wants to break in. That's your rooster moment where God wants to take that thing that you've been burying, bring it to life so that healing can happen, so that you can be heard around it, so that there can be absolute heart held and healing can take place. You know what happens when, when healing takes place? Wow. Wow. That happens. That happens. <laughs> what happens. And that happens at the table of transformation. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus knows that if he doesn't restore Peter and change the narrative, that rooster crow will keep Peter in his past, always impacting his present. And so Jesus changes the narrative. He changes the meeting of the crow. He turns his, his collapse into calling. Do you see what happens here? He says, do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Do you love me? Yes. Feed my sheep. Take care of my lambs. Feed the sheep. He's restoring not just Peter's relationship. He's restoring his, his future. He's restoring his ministry because more often God will use your pain as your calling. And so he desperately desires to deal with the rooster. He turns the clasp into, call, the claps into calling, because so often our callings come from our deepest pain. Peter, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, then feed my sheep. It's at the table we show up to, where it's not comfortable, but it's full of invitation and challenge to grow, that our rooster moments can be heard, can be held, and healed. Where is... God wanting to reveal a rooster moment in your life, something you're holding under, but guess what, it's coming. It's coming back up, you can't hold it there for long. And God will bring it up in his grace. And if you have a table of transformation, when it comes up, you can take it there. And you know what you do? You ask questions and you get really curious. I don't understand it all. But when you have community that will surround you and begin to ask questions and lean in with curiosity, you can begin to name the thing. Then you can grieve it, then you can heal it, then you're restored and out of that will come ministry you never dreamed. He wants to turn your rooster crows into moments where you're not triggered but you're tender. Do you think every time from there on, Peter heard that rooster crow, he remembered his failure? Or did he remember the moment on the beach? with his Savior when he was restored and called right stand with me we're trying to get you to a table of transformation because you have rooster moments there are things God's wanting to bring and heal because it's impacting your present and it's impacting your future but he has work for us to do in his kingdom and we can only do it as we deal with it and it'll make you more effective when you do it was for freedom he set us free. What's triggering you today? What's undealt within you? What table is he inviting you to or inviting you to invite others to? So that the rooster moments can become the best moments of your life because you're restored, healed and forgiven. <laughs> Wouldn't that be good if we did that together? God, I pray that we would be a church, may we be a church that chases down, takes advantage of table transformation where when the things of our past surface because they can't be held under any longer, we have people who will hold our hearts well. Listen, and Holy Spirit, you'll heal so that out of that will come the greatest miracles that we've ever seen. Heal those moments in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, love you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being a part of this church. Thanks for spending time with the Hope Collective. If you appreciated this message, we hope you'll subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. You can also leave a rating or review, which will help other listeners find us online. Thanks again for joining us.